shafts of kindly sun darted hither and yon into these dark, unfathomable passages, where cobwebs, fresco, wall, and ceiling, and here and there a breath of pure, fresh air seeped through as the heavy doors crumbled under the steady blows of sledge and hammer. The Oregonian, April 7, 1922. Welcome to a special edition of Kick-Ass Oregon History, a survey created by the geeked-out history folks at ORHistory.com. We profile only the most badass, captivating Oregon stories. It's all Oregon sex, drugs, rock and roll, and earth-shattering, devastating destruction. Basically, the good stuff. This episode is the second in our four-part saga on Portland's historic Chinatown, the gambling, the girls, and the opium. In this episode, we take a look at the games of chance in Chinatown. Today's podcast is brought to you by the Rialto Pool Room. Historian and fried dumpling, Doug Kank Crispin. When I'm in the mood for a cool beverage and a game of pool, I head down to the Rialto Pool Room and Cafe on the corner of 4th and Alder in downtown Portland. Portland's premier pool room also has eclectic drinks, happy hour deals, and a fantastic menu, including Portland's best Reuben. And with the new Jack London bar underneath the Rialto, live music, dancing, and even history presentations are in the mix. And you Oregon history geeks are going to love the old photographs displayed throughout the Rialto. So stop on in and enjoy a little Oregon history at the Rialto. The Chinese had secret societies called Tongs that operated most of the illicit Chinatown trade in Portland. The gambling, the girls, and the opium, the stars of this four-part special edition. With vast fortunes to be made by competing tongs, trade often turned violent, and rivals frequently battled one another in actions that can only be described as wars. As we shall see later, the tongs were allowed a certain level of operational latitude as long as things didn't get too out of hand. The Chinese important constructed truly labyrinthine passages to dissuade unwanted traffic to their games of chance and opium dens. Steel barred doors, secret panels, and other such contrivances led to rooms, referred to as resorts, which, quote, the festive oriental is said nightly to woo Dame Fortune by the medium of fantan and other games of chance, end quote. Often, heavy doors were placed every few feet and secret ladders would lead to different levels. In some occasions, city officials and police officers would enter one building and finally emerge after lengthy scurrying and stumbling in another building altogether. One example was an arrest on the top floor of number 87 Second Street, where a fantan operation was reportedly running day and night. Six-inch-thick doors obstructed passageways which snaked through the space and even led to several adjoining houses through thick, solid brick walls into which doorways had been cut. 
concealment added to the seemingly endless maze that greeted the customer or police officer. An Oregonian reporter described the locking mechanisms of some of these doors in a 1913 article. The various means of opening the doors were by sliding a panel in the wall several feet away, which would expose a rope, and this rope would open the latch or bolt. Sometimes there would be a number of nail heads exposed, and one of these might be pulled out and a cord attached, which would open the door. Again, a hole might be found which by inserting a nail into the same would form an electric current which would open a secret panel large enough to walk through. Gambling has been called more destructive than anything else to the Chinese community. Most early police arrest records involved gambling or visiting lottery places of business or possessing lottery paraphernalia. The gaming was so widespread, it almost seems comical today. A 1904 article demonstrated that Chinese were gambling on the ground floor in 27 places last night, the lookouts being in plain sight of all people walking on the sidewalks or in the street. There were five games on 2nd Street between Pine and Oak in the same block with the police station. There were 11 games running on the ground floor on 2nd Street between Oak and Stark Streets. There were nine games running similarly between Washington and Alder Streets on 2nd, and two games between Alder and Morrison. In addition to these, there were games running in other parts of Chinatown in basements and in second stories. Of the many games keeping Portland's Chinatown busy that night in 1904, clearly one of the most popular was Fantan. Historian Doug Kank Crispin. Fantan was one of the more prominent games played in Portland's Chinatown. The game was fairly straightforward. A square was marked in the center of a table, and the sides were marked one through four. The dealer would place on the table a double handful of small buttons, beads, dried beans, coins, or other such markers. He would then cover them with a metal bowl, or a ten koi, as it was called. The bettors would then play the numbers on the side of the table. Once all the bets were placed, the bowl was removed, and the ten kun, or the counter, used a small bamboo stick to remove the counters from the pile, four at a time, until the final bunch was left. If one counter was left, those who bet won, won. Two were left, the two players win, and so on, and so on. Yep, that was the dreaded Fantan game, the ire of refined, conservative Portland, and the target of Portland Police's moral squads. Remember, dear ass kicker, this was before Xboxes and Wii's, so please humor the history. You know I'm going to lose, the gambling's for fools, but that's the way I like it, baby, I don't want to in 1922, Reverend Daniel Bryant, associate pastor of the Eastside Baptist Church, ventured into this world, for he wanted to see Chinatown as it is. A detective agreed and took the reverend on a tour, explaining to the Chinese encountered that, quote, no one would get pinched. As the reverend explains, the detective saw the proper Chinaman. The word was passed along the line and we are admitted to the gambling dens a long passageway, and then the outlook. There was a heavy oak door with holes bored in it, behind which stood the guard. Back of this, a heavy iron door. 
The bars were slipped and we passed through. There was a second heavy iron door. We passed this also and were at last in the gambling room. The proprietors sit at their tables behind piles of money. How inviting the silver looked. What comforts and pleasures the pile of banknotes offered. On a warm summer's evening, on a train bound for nowhere, I met up with a gambler. We were both too tired to sleep. So Hopefully, a lonely, tired laborer might the be the victor of a few dollars from the tongs in a seemingly harmless game of chance. With a few dollars more in his pockets, he might walk a little further down 2nd Street and see if he could find some temporary carnal comfort. Failing that, there was always the option of being carried away by the dream stick. What the hell is a dream stick? Well, fellow Askiker, we'll talk about that as we carry on into our next episode of this four-part special edition, Chinatown, Gambling, Girls, and Opium. Thank you for listening. And be on the lookout for future podcasts by our crew. We hope that you agree that this special edition featured some kick-ass Oregon history. Today's podcast on Chinatown, gambling, girls, and opium was brought to you by the Rialto Pool Room Bar and Cafe. It was written by Doug Kate Crispin and Andy Lindbergh. Citations are available on request. You can check out our website at orhistory.com or follow us on Twitter at Oregon underscore history. The email address is OregonHistorian at gmail.com. Every gambler knows that the secret to surviving is knowing what to throw away, knowing what to keep. Cause every hand's a winner and every hand's a loser. And remember... Coming up on July 19, 2011, at 7.30 p.m., resident historian Doug Pink Crispin will be at the Jack London Bar underneath the Rialto at 529 Southwest 4th talking about Portland's historic Chinatown. Why don't you come down and see him? Just don't join his game of fan-tan. He gets real competitive. You stay historic, Oregon, and kick ass. You got no when to hold Know when to fold up, know when to walk away, and know when to run. You never count your money. When you're sitting at the table, there'll be time enough to count them. When the dealing's done, you got to know when to hold up. When the hold know when to fold up, know when to walk away, and know when to run. You never count your money When you're sitting at the table There'll be time enough for counting When the dealing's done You got to know when to hold up Know when to fold up Know when to walk away and Know when to run You never count your money When you're sitting at the table Navigating an asteroid field is approximately 3,720 to 1.